We praise you, God, tonight. We humble ourselves before your presence, God, Father. We open our hearts, O King of glory, to hear from you, Lord. God, we come searching. We come here, Lord, Father, from our different places and different things throughout this week, O God. So many distractions, so many things that are pulling us away from you, O King of glory, God. But tonight, O King of glory, God, we are stopping everything, God, and coming before you, Lord, so you can teach us, God, how to be still in your presence, O God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may speak to each and every one of us, O God, and I come against the devil and his plans, Father, to steal the word or to bring it destruction, O King of glory, God. I pray, Father, that your word will go forth today, Lord, and speak the truth, separate the lies from the truth, O God. I pray, God, that after we hear this word, God, that we don't just walk away, Lord, and come back the same way and the same week looking for something different that will just excite us or ignite us, oh God, and then we fall back to the same thing that we do, God. But I pray, Father, that today is from this moment, God, that it becomes a transformation, Father, that happens in us, oh God. Father, I praise you and I honor you, God. I thank you for trusting me with this word, oh God, today. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way completely. Your presence is already here, God. Move me out of the way. Let me not come in between this word and your people, God. Make me a clean vessel, O King of glory, God. I praise you and I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you guys ready? Yes. Only have the room. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right. So if you have uh, been coming, we've been going through the books of Acts. And I know the last two Sundays we haven't done Acts because Marcus and Ethan preach amazing message, right? Yeah. Right. So today we're going to start all over again on Acts. We're going to continue. And so today we are looking at Acts 18, 1 to 8. All right. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, I think that's the name, born of Potters, who had recently come from Italy with, with his wife Priscilla, because uh, Claudia had commanded that all Jews to, uh, to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. As he reasoned in the synagogue every uh, Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greek. While Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. And some of the versions on that say that when, uh, when Silas and Timothy came in, Paul de- uh, devoted himself 100% to spreading the gospel. And then... But when they opposed him and blasphemed him, he shook his garment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own. I'm clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And he be departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household and many of the callings hearing believing I were baptized. So so in this in this verse here, Paul leaves Athens and goes to Corinth. So Aquila and Priscilla are kicked out of Rome. So at that time, many of you, I'm not going to go to the history of it, the emperor told that all those guys had to go, and so they, they ended up going to Rome. 
And then Paul was, 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 just, was just living in Athens, so he comes, to, he comes to Corinth, and then he meets these guys who have the same trade. So he hangs out with them because they, they, he, he found a way to be able to survive, right? And so Paul does the same thing that he always does. He reasons, he reasons and debates at the synagogue every Sabbath day, but still he's working to make the tents. He's, he's still working to do his life, okay? Then Cyrus and Timothy, am I like, we good? I feel like I'm going up and down, we good? Okay. <laughs> so Silas, uh, Silas and Timothy come down, takes over, and now Paul is devoted 100% to preaching. And so they come in, and the Bible doesn't really clearly say that they came and they started doing the tent work, but think about it. Paul has been doing both, right? And then when they come in, then he ended up doing 100%. So my assumption, and hopefully that's, that's the truth, is that they take over and they support him so then he can go ahead and do what he's, do- he's done. And if you look at the history be- before them, these were the same people that were helping Paul through his ministry. So they were the support system for him. Then Paul goes and talks to the Jew, but then these people, they, they, they don't want to listen to him. So Paul shakes his, his shadows and clothes, and he moves on and finds this guy called Titus, a worshiper of God. And then through that, people end up coming to know Christ. I love the fact that the Bible says that Titus, just as, was a worshiper of God. We just worshipped, right? Powerful worship, right? But see, what, what that means is, when we worship God, God moves. Right? Because Paul would have gone to just anybody. But he went to this person who was a worshiper. So when God is going around and looking for somebody that he can use, he's looking for somebody who can worship him. He's looking for somebody who is not focusing on themselves because when we worship somebody, we are not looking at ourselves, but we are looking at God. Right? Because how are we going to worship God if we are all focused on ourselves? And then through that, People came to know God. My first point is this. What's your attitude like? Are you selfish or are you empathetic to the things that are happening in your, in, around you? Because here we see Aquila and Priscilla have been kicked out of Rome to start a new life. So think about that. Most probably, most of you don't know that, you know, don't know how it is to go start a new life, but I do. About, about 22 years ago, I came to America, and I'll tell you what, it is not easy. You guys are scary when I first landed. Okay. <laughs> Speak funny, you look funny, you eat different foods. Stuff. It probably takes us about, almost about two to three months for us to get used to the food. I'm just saying, right? But then when you think about it, when uh, Priscilla and Aquila are sent out of from where they live, they have to come and start worrying about their own stuff, right? Because I remember when I first came in, after I started working, it probably took me a couple of years before I could be able to help somebody else. But in the midst of all these things, and the difference is they got kicked out, I chose to come here. You see what I mean? So when they got kicked out, there was no plans, there was nothing. They just left with what they did. They just left with the only trade they had. And now Paul is over here, and they are partnering with Paul, and they are, they are doing the tent making. Mm-hmm. And I want, sometimes when you read the Bible, stop looking at the Bible, just think about it. How come Paul was never sent to the people who were in Rome? Mm-hmm. That he was sent to these people. 
That's a question you think about it, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so these, two, these Aquila and Priscilla had to find a new norm. They were moved from one country to the other, and they had to change their lives, and they had to put their own interests away and be able to still work with Paul. And through them, there was blessings. Through them, the community got to know Christ. Through them, even though they were not preaching themselves, they supported Paul, and then Paul was able to do more than that. Philippians 2, 1, 4 says, Therefore, if any of you, therefore, if there is any, any a consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my job by being like-minded, having the same love, being, in, being of one accord of mind, being one accord of mind, letting nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem, let each, esteem each other better than himself. Let each of you look out not for only his own interest, but also in the interest of others. Amen. Think about that. We are being told to be in the same mind. Because I see this couple who's been kicked out of Rome, they could be like, you know what, Paul, I understand that we are doing this trade, but we are not going to partner with you because we have the issues that we have in our own life. I wonder if there are some times when, people, when God sends people in our life or he sends situations in our life. But then because we are so busy focusing on the troubles that we are going through, that we look at it and it's like, you know what, I don't have time for you. Yet, God is setting you up for you and your household to be used by him. And then so that the city or the place that you are in can get to know Christ. But what is society asking us today? Society is asking us that we have to be busy. We have to keep doing these things. You don't have to anybody. You have to schedule everything. That even when your schedule is so full, that any time that God sends somebody in your way, it's an inconvenience because you don't have time for them. I wonder whether maybe we should have a slot where you said inconvenience by God. (laughs) Right? Every single day. You're like, work, 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 inconvenienced by God, yeah. right? Then if God sends you, maybe you can move that slot back and forth to where you want. But the thing is, the Bible tells us that we should die to self, yeah. right? We should completely die to self. So if really we are dead to self, and we have the schedule we thought about us, when God brings somebody in our life or bring an interruption in our life, should we stop doing what we are doing and start, first of all, go do that because that's what God has called us, because we are dead to self, and then care about these other things? Seek God first and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. Right? My question for you today is, are you committed Are you committed? (laughs) Only one of you, okay. (laughs) It's funny because when we we started, uh, um, before we we were worshiping, Andy came and and says, I am committed, can I go home now? I was like, no. (laughs) It doesn't work that way yet. (laughs) See, we have to watch out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to watch out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it cannot be a secondary thing that we do. It should be the primary thing that we do. We are in charge of each other. You are your brother and sister's keeper. Right? 2 Timothy 3.1.5 says, But know this, that in the last days, prayerless times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, breast mamas, 
uh, disobedient to parents and thankful and holy and loving and forgiving sliders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pressure, pleasure that, rather than lovers of God, having a form of God, godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Right? But what is the Bible saying? It says you have a list of the people to turn away. But turn towards your brothers and sisters. You turn away from all those things and all those things that are keeping you away from God. So then that way your calendar can be free and you can be able to turn to the people of God. You can be able to turn to to the people of Christ. You can be able to turn to your neighbor when God sent them in your path. In the last days, before you have to resolve in your heart that it's not an individual survival, that we all need each other. We cannot survive by ourselves. Do not ignore what Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila did. They did not preach the message like Paul did, but they did their part because that's what God had ordered them to do. So you might think today that, hey, I might not be able to articulate or, or preach or go do ministry or do this, but where you are... Whatever you are doing today, God has ordered your steps there. Whatever you are doing today is because God needs you there. So then that way when an opportunity comes for you to minister, for you to help, for you to encourage, for you to do something that people can know the heart of Christ, you are ready to do that. Are you committed today? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we, are, we are, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We all have an assignment. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you have an assignment. We all have an assignment. It may look different, but it doesn't matter how small or big it is in our own eyes. It is huge to God. When we stand up before God, He says that all our works, everything we've done is going to be put before Him. And a fire will be lit. And He's going to look and say, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? But guess what? If you haven't been doing what you've been doing because your wife has been bugging you, or your co-worker has been bugging you, or your husband has been bugging you, or your situation is going to be bugging you, whatever it is, God is not going to be, you're going to be like, hey Lord, um, I know what you sent me to do. However, my wife, uh, she, but God will be like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your kid. Let's talk about what I gave you. Yeah. Them, they're going to be accountable too. Yeah. Right? But you, what I've given you and what I've assigned you, what did you do with that? Yeah. Think about that. Because it's been so easy for me to say, well, my wife did this. And it's like, Lord, will be like, no, no. Mugi, I told you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Did you love her? Oh, Lord, you know, she was a little bit this and this and this. She's not. My wife is amazing. But she was this and this and this, right? But... God is like, don't worry about Eva. I will take care of Eva. Let's talk about you. What are the things that you did? Did you do what I told you? Were you committed to the thing that I ordered you to do? And then Eva is going to stand before God and she's going to be asked the question. Were you committed to the call that I've called you as a, hus- as a wife, as a mom, as a sister? We are all going to stand before God. My question for you today is, are you committed? 
Are you committed to where God has called you in today? Or are you a crybaby who whines all the time about your life? That you don't realize that God is trying to take over the city and your inconvenience is what he's going to use in order for his, his, the gospel to spread. Think about this couple. They were kicked from Rome. They were kicked out. And they came to this place. And that's where Paul went and they hosted Paul. An inconvenience. Such a big inconvenience. But they were obedient when God told them, I need you to do trade with Paul. And they did it. Think about Silas and Timothy. They kept going from one place to the other following, following Paul. They never said they were tired. They never said, you know, we, can, we are now capable of doing our own ministry. We don't need you. Yeah. Right? They never said that. They never said, you know what, this is enough. I think we've done enough. No. They continued to follow him. And look at what happened. They came and then Paul devoted 100% to ministry. And lives were changed. What is God calling you to do today? What support role is God calling you today? Or are you focused on the lead role that you can't even realize that God is going to use you mightily as a support role that he's going to use you as the lead person? What is God calling you today? God has allowed your situation and now he's using it for good because he turns all things good for those who love him. My second point is this. Stand in place. When Cyrus and Timothy arrived, Paul devoted himself to preaching full-time. They took over and started supporting Paul financially. We see, Tyras, we see Silas, Silas and Timothy being, con, being consistent in assisting Paul. It's not something that they have started today. It's something that they have been doing. It's something they've been committed to. We have to be committed in advance to further the kingdom of God. Commitment doesn't come when you are needed today. Commitment doesn't doesn't have to have a big label. It doesn't have to have a big title. Maybe that will come, but a commitment doesn't just come and say, from now onwards, you are A, B, C, D. Commitment starts from you you spending time with God. Commitment starts from you praying and fasting. Commitment starts from you being good to your neighbor. Commitment starts today. Because if I trust you, with, if you are great with little, you're going to be trusted with more. Right. Cyrus and Timothy, this was not their first time. They did it over and over and over. And Paul could be like, oh guys, I am so glad you're here. The food is over there. I'm just going to go preach 100%. He didn't have, we don't see where in the Bible it says, Paul sat there with Timothy and Silas and coached them on what to do. Because they were already committed and they did what they needed to do. My question for you today is, are you committed? Are you committed to getting ready? You know, when I think about commitment, I think about the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah and uh, we from Kenya, we call him Nehemiah. So he might be, he may go different ways. Um, so Nehemiah, if you know the story of Nehemiah from the book of? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. <laughs> right? So go read his story. It's an amazing story, honestly. It's, it's an amazing story of a, a guy who was a cup bearer, but he was very faithful to the king, what he did. 
Even though I know, the Bible doesn't say this, but I know Nehemiah, in his heart, he was just like, man, there's something more for me out there. There's something in there that is stirring my heart. I need to do more. And why do I know that? Because the minute he heard about Jerusalem mob has, has fallen and all his people, he knew he had to do something. Do you get that point? If right now you're not being stirred by the things of God in your heart, and you're just waiting for that big moment so then you can do something great, that is never going to happen. Because the small things of God, your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, your friend who doesn't know Jesus, right? You, 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 if you cannot be stirred by those little things, the little sin that you see, the TV show we are watching, the things we are listening to, the books that we are listening to, we are reading, if you cannot be stirred in your spirit for the things, those little things you are doing, there's no way you're going to be stirred up for the big things. And so we see Nehemiah over here, he's, he knows that, he knows this, he has, great, he has, he has greatness in him. But he still continued to be faithful in the little things. He's serving the king. He's serving the king continuously, being a cupbearer. Right? And then guess what? He hears, that, uh, he hears that Jerusalem has been ruined. And he prays to God. He goes before God and says, God, what do you have me do? God says, give him an idea. And he goes to the, the He doesn't even tell the king what's happening. The king looks at his face. Why? Because he's always joyful. The joy of the Lord is always with him. So we should check our attitudes, right? Because that says a lot. Five of you. But yes, we should check our attitudes, right? <laughs> so he, the king looks at his face and he's like, Je- Je- uh, Nehemiah, what's going on? Why, what's happening? And so Nehemiah goes and tells him that, hey, my city is ruined. And the king goes, what do you need from me in order for you to go and rebuild the city? He's faithful with the little things. He's committed to where he's been put. And that commitment translates to him having favor with God first, and then having favor with with the king. And so Nehemiah goes and he started rebuilding the wall, but he doesn't rebuild the wall by himself. He gets all the people, all the different tribes, to build a part of their wall. He gets everybody to do their part. You do your part, you do your part, you do your part. <clears throat> Nehemiah 4.1 says, So as, 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 they, as, they were doing, as they were rebuilding the wall, they were threatened by you know, the people in the area. And Nehemiah 4.1.2 says, But it's so when Sanballat heard that, he, uh, that he, we were rebuilding the wall, so this is Nehemiah speaking, building the wall, that he was furious and very ignorant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will, will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they compete, uh, complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heap of the rubbish? Stones that are burnt? Catch this. He asked, Will they offer sacrifices? So they have been, even though these enemies are here, they have been watching the Israelites offering sacrifices to God even in their worst times. And they know that. And my question is, when your enemies and the people around you look at you and they want to come against you, are they saying, well, we'll see how he does. I know he prays all the time. So he lost his job. 
I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to pray? What he, he's gonna, is he going to fast and pray? So his family is all messed up. What are we going to do? Is he going to pray? Do you have enough evidence to convict you of doing something that, that glorifies God in the midst of all the things that you're going on? Are they going to sacrifice to their gods? See, it didn't stop there. They were threatened and attacked numerous times. And Nehemiah 4.16 is saying, So it was from, the, from that time on, the half of my servant works at construction, while the other half held their spears and the shield, the bows and war armor. The leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who, build, those who build the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. I want you to take that picture. How committed are these people? That they are building a wall, they are being threatened, they are being attacked, but yet they are so committed to rebuild the city that they have one hand on their weapons and they are working with one hand. I wonder what would happen if we are that committed to the the church of Christ. They were committed. Nehemiah, so we built the wall. Nehemiah 4.6, it says, So we built the wall, and the tower walls was joined together up to half of its height, for the people had a mind to work. See, the building of the wall is not an individual deal or a small group of people that did it. It took a whole community. Especially when there is danger or where there is attack, we are supposed to come together. And if you have been watching the news, we are under attack. And the last thing we need is fighting against each other because that's giving the enemy power. What we need is to work together. Yes. We don't get to to be together as a tribe like they did, but we are of one church. We stand together. We build our part. The families build their parts. What ha- would happen if everybody else built their wall when Nehemiah was doing it, and then your family was so busy being distracted by all these other things that you did not build your part of the wall? Yeah. It's not an individual thing. They have endangered them. So today I'm asking you, are you building part of your wall? Are you committed to building part of your wall? Or are you looking over to see what the other... The Bible doesn't say they were looking at each other to see what they are doing. They build their wall. So what are you doing? Are you doing your own work, what you've been called by God to do? Or are you looking at your neighbor to see how far their wall has gone? Are you endangering our community? Are you endangering our church? Are you endangering our building? Are you committed to building what God has asked you to? See, Silas and Timothy held their spot for Paul so he could accomplish what he had been called. What are you being called to do today? Are you committed? Psalms 33, 18, it says, 33, 18 to 19 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope, his, hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them from alive in the famine. It doesn't matter what comes our way, men and ladies. 
Lord is going to take care of you as long as you're doing what you need to do. My third point is this. Are you giving it all? Are you giving it everything you have? Acts 18.5 says, When Cyrus and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own head. I'm clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentile. So Paul was done. Right? And we love that verse. Right? We love that verse. Like, you know, hey, I'm done with you, man. You know, I shake my sandals <laughs> but the thing is we do not dismiss people unless we've done everything we can the cry for people's heart to know Christ has to be greater than our offenses the cry for people's heart has to be greater than our offenses because even so Paul is saying that hey you know what I have tried everything and I'm shaking my dad. He has tried everything. Have you been shipwrecked? Have you been beaten by snake? Have you been stoned? Have you been beaten? Have you been hungry for days? This was Paul. Beaten to a point where he was dead. So when Paul says, I'm shaking my clothes and sandals is because he has done everything. But the problem with us is one interaction, two interaction, I shake my clothes and I'm done. Have you done everything? Have you done everything? When you stand up before God and he's looking at what you've done and what Paul, because guess what? You've heard the words, it's written, so we're going to be judged on our knowledge on what we know. When you look at that and he says, I understand that yes, you've been offended and all these things have happened in your life. Let's look at Paul and see what he went through. How do you want that conversation to look like? And the other funny part is this. As we look at this, we try to think about the people that we've tried to speak to into our lives. The people that we've tried to bring to Christ. The people that we are telling, you need to stop that behavior so your marriage can be better. You need to stop that behavior so drugs and all these things and all these crazy things you do. You need to start praying and you need to do all this stuff. We put ourselves in a place where we start looking at them and saying, you need to do this. And I'm going to be, I'm so tired of of trying to get to that person. I'm so tired of pouring to that person. I have news for you. That person might be you. Because it's so easy for us to say, hey, I'm trying to do that to that person. What about the people who are trying to get to us? What about the people who are asking us to pray and fast? What about the people who are asking you, you need to change your life and do what God has asked you? See, Pastor Matt has been pleading with you every Sunday to change your heart for Christ. Other pastors and preachers have been doing the same. Multiple opportunity at Bible study, at church events, one-on-one, marriage counseling, coffees, name it. Yet, we refuse to die to self and we still hold ourselves and we are selfish about this. Yet, we want to read that Bible verse to people and tell them, Hey, you know what? I'm going to shake my clothes away because I do not want nothing to do with you. It is time to self-examine. Yes. It is, Pastor Matt, preach about that. Search me, O Lord, and see my heart. Reveal those things in my heart that just are drawing me away from you. 
Let this be an eye opener. Examine me, Lord, and know. Examine me and know me, Lord. Some of you, it doesn't matter whom we said. You have refused to get onto the boat, even though the water is rising up. I see Christ pursuing you over and over and over. You reject him over and over and over. Yet he doesn't shake his sandals on you. See, Jesus is not asking you to do something he hasn't done. He's not asking you to commit that something he hasn't done. He committed. He left heaven and came to a foreign land. He had to do the worldly work. He was a carpenter. He was rejected. People shook their shoes and the dust of their shoes. He was mocked and he was insult. He was, ki- he was killed and he took your place. Stood in your place for you so that you can be here and alive today. You're not being asked to do something that hasn't been done today. Christ says, follow me. Take my cross and follow me. That's what he's asking you. Because we might go like, oh my goodness, I cannot commit because I don't have an example. Yes, you have an example. Right? My question for you today is, are you committed like Jesus was? Are you committed like Jesus is committed to you today? As I close... We're going to sing a song today because I give you opportunity to talk to God and ask. Because commitment, commitment doesn't just start from the blues. Commitment starts with little things. Commitment to your family. Commitment to your wife, husband. Commitment, commitment to your job that you have. Commitment to praying, to worshiping. Thank you, Amanda. Commitment to fasting. All these things that God is asking you today. The song we're going to sing is called Mighty Cross. And I love this verse. It says, Oh, the cross of Jesus Christ. He's the reason that I'm alive. For his blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. It will never lose its power for me. Because God is not asking you to commit by yourself. The power is there. But you have to acknowledge the cross. You have to acknowledge the cross. And acknowledging the cross is knowing that he has already set a path for you. He's already set a way for you. And all you have to do is follow a footstep. Go ahead and play that video, please. Let's all stand up. Today, God, we thank you for your blood, O King of glory, God. We thank you, Father, because we have a choice, Father, whether the power of your blood is effective in our life, in our community, in our homes, in our every place that we go, God. Jehovah God, you freely, freely given, us to, uh, given that to us, oh God. And Jehovah God, as we step out of here today, God, we, we don't leave not knowing, Father, that Jehovah God, you're pursuing our hearts, oh God. That Jehovah God, you committed, O King of glory, God, to die to a point of death, O King of glory, God. And Jesus, Father, we are here, Lord, to walk the same path, O God. I pray, Father, for everybody that's under my voice right now, in the precious name of Jesus, God. I pray, Father, that this word, God, will go deep into their hearts, O God. 
That Jehovah God, this will be a transformational message, O oh God. That Jehovah God, Father, it will not leave them, O oh Lord. And I'm coming against the devil and his schemes right now. And I'm putting a covering over this word in the name of Jesus. Holy Father, I'm praying, God, that Jehovah God, we become a church that's committed, O King of Glory, Father. That Jehovah God, we become a church that's committed to the things of you, God. That Jehovah God, our commitment changes further from the things of the world, O God. Our things that we do on religious things, O God. But it becomes a commitment to you, God, and to your call, King of Glory, God. Lord, we are able because you've equipped us, O God. We are able, O King of glory, God. And no matter how much the enemy tries to retell us that we are not able, God. I'm proclaiming today, God, that we are able in the name of Jesus. We are able in the name of Jesus. Let us know, Father, let every individual under my voice know that they are able, Lord, because you died, Lord. And you said that we will be able to do greater things through you who died on the cross, God. Father, I ask you, God, that you may lead your people, God. But more so, God, I pray that you may capture their hearts, O God. That Jehovah God, you may break down their hearts, O God, and build them how you want them to be, O God. Father, I praise you and I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.